Good morning. It's time for Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Holcraft. Awaken airs the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with the Executive Director of Real Presence Radio, Mark Holcraft, and his brother, Dr. Joe Holcraft, Professor and Director of the High Calling Program at the Avila Institute. Together with a mix of national and local personalities, connecting examples in church history, contemporary relevance, and lively witness of the saints, Mark and Joe will share how the Holy Spirit is working to awaken in all of us a deeper sense of what we are made for, a life in Christ. Good morning and welcome to Real Presence Radio's Awaken. With myself, your host, Mark Holcraft, joined by my brother, Dr. Joe Holcraft, who joins us from Ohio, as usual. Good morning, Joe. How are you? I am doing well, brother. Uh, As always, it is great to be with you. Thank you. Thanks. It's good to be with you, too. And it is great to re-engage Awaken again. Uh, For our listeners, um, this is a special episode, just in the sense that we're kind of rounding out what we've been talking about in these first 10 episodes. And so... Mm. Uh, we're kind of, yeah, we're, we're, I don't want to say coming full circle, but definitely going to take some opportunity today to summarize and discuss uh, intercessory prayer, uh, how it's just rooted in prayer. Um, so I'm excited to engage that with you, Joe. Uh, for some of the listeners, it might be a little repetitive. I'm like, hey, uh, didn't you say that in the first episode, fourth, fifth episode? And truth be told, probably. <laughs> we, we, sure. We probably did. Um but I think a little repetition is okay. Certainly it's been okay in the spiritual life to affirm and reconfirm things in our heart and our mind. So Joe, hopefully, uh, well, I'm just excited to jump in with you. Sure, Mark. And you know, it is my anticipation that we are going to be doing more than just hitting the refresh uh, refresh button here this morning. Uh, because while repetition is good, for sure, certainly I think uh, the Lord is going to put some some new and fresh things on our heart. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Absolutely. Joe, as with all things, let's begin with prayer, and then we'll dive in. Sounds good. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the gift of faith, and the gift of prayer that you teach us to pray. Lord, I thank you most recently for the rain that we've received here in the Fargo area and the rain that we've been receiving uh, throughout the Dakotas and Minnesota. You know our needs. You know our needs even before we ask. But Lord, we ask that you continue not only to provide for our material needs, to provide for our uh, economic needs, Lord, but please continue to provide for our spiritual needs, place in our hearts that desire to ask for what we need and to be prudent to be prudent and to learn from the witness of Our Lady uh, what it looks like to be prudent. So we ask for her intercession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Well, Joe, you know, uh, as we were talking about intercessory prayer, really what kind of helped shape in these first 10 episodes with us was uh, just some common tips, some common tips. And, you know, do you want to round out those tips real quick? There is, uh, I think, nine or 10 pieces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we started off with 
the importance of laying the foundation of praying in the Spirit. So the first tip to any good, uh, just not intercessory prayer, but, but prayer itself is to always make sure that you are inviting the Holy Spirit into that space you find yourself in. Uh, pray in faith, right? And, and there, Mark, we, we paid a special emphasis uh, to making sure that we um, pray for an increase in faith, right? I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. This is the Amen. great prayer that comes to us from the gospel. Uh, then we place an emphasis in that third tip on praying from the heart, right? Everything, as the Proverbs reminds us, Mark, flows to and from the heart. Uh, where your heart is is where your treasure is and vice versa. So um, we must pl- uh, pray from the heart, the heart is the most interior place of our being. So uh, praying from that place, praying from that space is quintessential to any good intercessory prayer. Then we laid the foundation into uh, that fourth key and tip to pray fervently, right? to pray fervently, to pray with um, conviction, Mark, to pray with desire. Certainly if the Holy Spirit is in your heart, then this is what is going to manifest but uh, there is a reason why we read in, what is it, James chapter 5, verse 16, uh, the, the prayer of the righteous person, um, the fervent prayer of the righteous person is powerful in its effects, right? We want the good Lord to hear our prayers. Well, pray fervently, which is to pray in that, that place of righteousness and, and, and holiness, a place of conviction. Uh, then... We talked about in that fifth key mark of praying on the spot, the importance of praying wherever you are, as certainly uh, and most especially the Mass and before the Blessed Sacrament, but also wherever you find yourself, whether it be at a football game or at the grocery store or at the doctor's office. Often there are many prayers that come from the doctor's <laughs> office, uh, but true, it, it is to put a highlight mark on the call we have to be praying around the clock, 24-7, 365. So pray on the spot. And then we uh, reflected upon the importance of praying with specifics. Be personal, right? Be personal. And as you are personal with our Lord, He desires specifics. He, he, he doesn't like the ambiguity and vaguaries. He desires specifics. So uh, be personal, be specific. Uh, this is what our Lord desires. This is the prayer that we see again and again in sacred scripture. Then, of course, the all-important tip mark of praying in friendship with Christ. Jesus desires to call us friend. And as St. Teresa of Avila reminds us, all good prayer starts with calling Jesus friend. Right. So praying in friendship with Christ. That, of, that uh, chapter was the chapter, that tip was the tip where we talked about the importance of fasting. So all sorts of important topics, important keys. Key number eight, pray in thanksgiving and praise to God. Right there we talked about the Eucharist and even touched upon the aspect of music and how that can be a prayer. And in our time together, uh, last episode, we talked about the priority of Mary, that ninth key of praying with Mary, uh, praying the memoir, praying the rosary, uh, pondering as Mary pondered, and essentially saying yes to this this invitation that Jesus puts before us to participate in his life and love in this vocation we've been given to just not pray, but to pray for other. 
that was something we talked about, I think, in our first episode, that this mark is a fulfillment of a baptismal vocation, uh, a participation in the very one mediation of Jesus Christ himself. That passage from Timothy uh, is just not focusing uh, on Jesus Christ as one who, who's, uh, <laughs> who we can go to or pray to, but something that we're all called to participate in. This is why in just a few verses before that, St. Paul says to Timothy, intercede on my behalf. But when you do so, understand that you are participating in the one mediation of Jesus Christ. By virtue of our baptism, Mark, this is what we share in. And so for that, praise be Jesus Christ. And it's all to say, Mark, that as we went from one tip to the next, I think our conversation has been enriched by just not touching upon those tips, but doing so in light of the many heroes of virtue uh, that we have in our faith, in particular, uh, at least from the book, uh, the 10 that I highlight. And so we have the beautiful opportunity to talk about uh, those saints um, as they witness to the, to the tips that we talked about. Yeah, Joe, I, absolutely. And thank you. Thanks for summarizing and moving through those tips. You know, enjoy one of the things, one of the common threads that weaves its way through all those tips, uh, and it happens to be one of them, is praying from the heart. You know, mm-hmm. but we can't be personable. We can't be intentional. Uh, we're going to lack all these things. Uh, we can't pray in authentic faith and authentic confidence in Jesus Christ if the heart is not fully moved and involved. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. uh, this is this is a common thread. Which what does that reveal to us? And again. Uh, we, we have discussed bits and pieces of this, is God desires to be in relationship. He desires to be in relationship with us in a personable and personal relationship with us. He wants to move heart to heart, you know, and so with that, as we come uh, and discuss intercessory prayer, this this is really, you know, pun intended, no pun intended, this is the heart of prayer, that very mm-hmm. personable mm-hmm. exchange and interaction, that relationship you know, and you're talking about the saints. This is what the gift of the saints show and reveal to us is what mm. does a personal relationship with our Lord look like, you know, mm. and we have the benefit to some extent of looking back historically to see, you know, one of the things I have valued with the saints, the lives of the saints, the witness of the saints is what that pursuit of holiness can look like from age to age. You know, and so as we take a look at that, we take, we've taken a look at these saints, the saints we've chosen, you know, and that we've asked for special intercessory graces with, with each of our episodes, they all provided their unique uh, and profound witness within their vocation, within their pursuit of holiness, whether it was a priest or a religious or a lay person uh, or bishop for that matter, um, what it can look like, because we need to see that. What? is the possibility of Jesus incarnate and fleshed in us, how the Holy Spirit animates within us his promptings in the time that we live. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've, we've uh, I think many of our listeners, you and I have heard it, we live in a very unique time. And some some would say, well, this is very discouraging and frustrating. <laughs> I think I, maybe I would have liked to have lived in the uh, uh, 50s. The, the swinging 30s. Uh, I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what it is. I So... Yeah. Uh, be that as it may, God has ordained this time and it has been within his plan, his cosmic plan, that it is you, myself, and all of our listeners here now in the present, wherever we are, Hmm. uh, to stand as witness to truth and beauty, 
Amen. This is what he's calling us to. And so uh, what does it look like for the present day saint? Uh, all we need to know is God calls us to that holiness. He will animate within us what needs to be accomplished. Um, and that's an exciting thing, but it is also a little daunting. And if we're not praying, and this is, you know, we're talking intercessory prayer, Joe, uh, from that, in that very first episode, when we asked, hey, Joe, and I asked you, so break open intercessory prayer. You said, well, first, <laughs> before we can really dive into that, let is, let's just encounter prayer because the yeah. conversation needed to be immersed just in prayer. You know, yeah. and, and again, the witness of the saints, I'm looking at uh, from, from Hebrews chapter, chapter, chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, mm-hmm. let us rid mm-hmm. ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us. And this Amen. is certainly what not only what the saints show us, they are a part of that cloud of witnesses, but it is also what we are called to. Let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin. Uh, so as to, mm. that clings to us, it seeks to bring mm. us down, mm. you know. So, Joe, as we, we, hit, we hit on these tips, uh, at the heart of it, a life of prayer. I, and I, I feel like I cut, cut you off when I discussed just really prayer. Oh, no, you're okay, Mark. A couple things come to my mind. First of all, when you talk about the pursuit of holiness, we can pursue holiness because God has first pursued us. Right there's a famous rabbi who once said when I was writing my commentary to the Bible, I had initially titled it "Man's Search for God," and then I carefully read the Bible again, and I had come to discover the title of this commentary needs to be uh, "God's Search for Man," right? Uh, mm. Because this is what lies at the heart of sacred scripture, and really, this is something that becomes reciprocal, right? Mark, uh, the first question in the Old Testament is, uh, "Where are you?" God didn't uh, lose Adam. The question was one of an invitation, uh, one of an invitation into his very life and love. And the way in which we do this, as you were speaking to it, Mark, is first and foremost, and, and the saints have echoed this over the last 2,000 years, is through a living relationship with him. Prayer is at the center of everything we do. <laughs> Each and every moment is charged with divine circumstance, Mark, pregnant with eternal significance to the degree, to the degree that we uh, set it in motion by virtue of prayer, right? By virtue of prayer. So uh, rightly, I I said, we can't talk about what intercession is until we talk about what prayer is. Because even the Greek word, by the way, and I don't know if we talked about this, Mark, um, there's been enough episodes that I can't remember everything, but the Greek (laughs) word for intercession, uh, Intercession speaks to um, a subject familiar with the king. It's actually inside the Greek, a subject who is familiar with the king. So when Paul is writing to Timothy, um, essentially what he is saying is, you, Timothy, as a person, as a subject, is one who is familiar with the king, right? The king, Jesus Christ. So um, how are we, how do we become familiar with Jesus Christ? But by talking with him. Simply prayer is conversation with God. Uh, intercessory prayer is taking that petition and putting it before God. And, and in that sense and in that context, yeah, we can't talk about intercession without first talking about conversation. And rightfully so, that is where we went. It's interesting, Mark, you talk about the days we live in. We have to remember that, uh, and this was a saint, I can't remember which one now, but uh, the warmth 
that comes from the fire of God is ever so uh, sweet when we've known the cold, right? We live in a very cold time, if you will, Mark. And so when we draw closer to God, when we draw closer to that warmth and that fire, ever ever so sweet is it, right? And so um, this is what we are called to do. Um, and specifically, as we've been reflecting upon this in our time together, uh, this is what we've been called to do and do so for other, praying for other. Uh, and this is the beautiful vocation that is before us. That's a beautiful, I want to know which saint said that, <laughs> you yeah, know, you yeah. know, cause that, that's a beautiful image, but maybe, maybe even pertinent, particular in the Northern Midwest, you know, yeah. the beauty of the warmth <laughs> yeah, sure. only after you've yeah. tasted the cold, um, yeah. People here would call that the cold is bitter, brother. It is bitter cold. (laughs) So the taste is not good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, This is the word, especially when you hear people on the prairies, when the wind goes, you know, uh, then it's a bitter cold, you know, and then, Mm -hmm. but then when you encounter the warmth. And so, gosh, the analogy is speaking volumes, uh, especially as we're approaching, (laughs) we're approaching the fall. Uh, We are vividly aware up in the north. Uh, that the cold is coming and it will be cold quick, which is one of those yeah. reasons uh, from my part, you know, uh, we've had some beautiful warmth here lately. You know, it's been in the 90s. Yesterday was 95, the day before 97 degrees. Uh, mm. I pray to God I will never complain because I can literally say, you know what? In four months, we might see a hundred degree difference. <laughs> no yes. no yeah, exaggeration, yeah. you know? And so uh, it's one of those, like, it's hot. I will take it. Uh, because it will be cold enough soon. And so, um, that, yeah, that's speaking volumes to me, Joe. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, Joe, we, we actually have already come to our first break here. Uh, so uh, when we come back, we want to talk about uh, key within engaging these tips is just to keep it simple. So when mm-hmm. we come back, yes. what does that mean? The fundamentals, huh? Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more after this short coffee break. You're listening to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join your family of faith and hope as we launch the Fall Awaken Live Drive 2021, September 15th through the 17th. We'll have all your favorite hosts and listeners from across the listening area sharing their stories of how Real Presence Radio has changed their lives. Tune in September 15th through the 17th for our Fall Awaken Live Drive, right here on Real Presence Radio. Welcome back to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now back to more lively, faith-filled conversation with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Welcome back to Awaken. We are talking intercessory prayer, kind of rounding it out. Uh, if you missed the first uh, section uh, before the break, we talked about the the tips, if you will, nine key tips in regards to intercessory prayer. You know, and if a person's listening and says, you know, I get that that's intercessory prayer, but those tips just apply to prayer. Well, then your instinct is exactly right. Those instincts very much apply to prayer as well. But we are talking in particular intercessory prayer. You know, Joe, I, I ran across uh, a quick little snippet this week uh, from one of our friends, uh, at the pillar, J.D. Flynn. I don't know if you know J.D. Flynn. Uh, I, I, I met him, yeah. A great, great journalist. I, I really appreciate what he puts out there. Um, 
but what he, one of the things he was suggesting, uh, talking about uh, intercessory prayer, and I just I wanted to give this a shout out because it speaks of its, the simplicity that we're going to be diving into in just a minute. Hmm. He said, by the way, requests for prayer are a funny thing. Most of us hear them near every day, and sometimes we agree to pray without thinking about it again. I've been struck lately by Cardinal Newman's admonition that intercessory prayer is an imperative for Christians, a scriptural mm. mandate, to be sure, and mm. part of the foundation for any fruitful interior life. Uh, Newman mm. ke- kept lists. He prayed specifically, not only for specific people, but for specific desired outcomes. It occurs to me that there are two important fruits of that. And Joe, this is tying right into what we've been talking about, uh, gosh, yeah. uh, spring and through the summer. Two important fruits of that. One, that asking God for specific things habituates us to have confidence that he really does intervene in the world, that he really does act in miraculous and providential ways and out of love. Two, JD says, praying for other people habituates us in prayer to charity. If prayer is meant to foster divine intimacy and God is love, beginning with prayer as an act of charity out of love for others and for their good, orients us towards God's own being, which is love itself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The brother was preaching it, you know, and it is yeah. one of those, uh, it, it really, it's, you know, it's speaking to what we've been discussing through these episodes, you know, and it ultimately orients us towards God's own being, which is love itself. Yeah, it does, Mark. And the, the interesting point there, and I think I actually noted in my introduction, is that um, God has a way of of using others to, um, as he was speaking, to kind of reorient ourselves. But <laughs> when that happens, uh, we are reminded, we're reminded of, of the vocation that God has, has given us. So uh, someone asks you, Mark, to pray for a specific thing. And what does that do immediately? Well, it challenges you. I, I don't know if we've used that word enough, um, really, if at all, over the last um, several months. And uh, how does it challenge you? Well, it, it calls you out. The very word challenge, it comes from the Latin provocatio, means to call out, to call forth. It, it calls out where you're at in your prayer life. Um, and the point I made really in the book is that this is why I wrote the book. In the section on praying from the heart, um, in all transparency, I said it was by by virtue of not responding to that question that I had to take a step back and ask myself the question, why am I not responding to the question if you follow, right? Why am I not following through on the request to pray for this person or that thing? Because I was not disposed to do so. So what JD is talking about there is uber important that we have to accept the challenge and at once allow that challenge, that calling out, that calling forth mark to reorient and to, to, to bring you back, to bring me back, to bring us back into the space we need to, need to be in with God so that, that our intercessory prayer bring about the fruitfulness, um, desired. So, uh, it's, it's about being honest with ourselves, Mark, and certainly, to the two points JD makes there, honesty is very important. No, amen, Joe. As you were talking, I was actually, as you were talking, I was reminded of something that I believe you hit on in an earlier episode. But again, uh, a little bit in light of what we're seeing in society right now, I think uh, worth worth lifting up again. You know, hmm. uh, in, in referring to, so this is, I'm, I'm coming back to the fundamentals. 
you know, and not just uh, praying, but key to prayer. And we talked about is praying from the heart and, and how praying from the heart weaves itself into all these tips, but the disposition to listen, right? And so that for all mm, the talking yes. we do in prayer, fundamental is that we teach ourselves how to listen. And this is what's so uh, amazing about prayer. Prayer not only captures the heart, it captures our the deepest cry, if you will. It catches our greatest, highest jubilation. Um, but prayer also instructs and it forms and shapes us, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it, it, prayer can teach us how to listen. If, you know, if we're asking the Lord, please te- teach me to pray, teach me to pray as I ought. We utter the words of St. Paul. We, you know, I know I've, I often uh bring that prayer to the Lord, teach me to pray as I ought. A lot of that mm. then is going to be teach, teaching us how to listen. One of the points that you made a while ago, and uh, and I loved it, is the Latin word for out of tune mm. or being discordant mm. is, and you can correct me in my pronunciation, absurdus, absurdus. Uh, absurdus. Uh-huh. absurdus. Yeah. And, uh, and it, so it's interesting because, of course, when I when you said it, and then even when I read it, it's like, huh, that really sounds like the word absurd. Well, that's because that's where the word absurd comes from. <laughs> yeah, you know, and yep. so in light of so much, I mean, so there's been so much struggle in uh, mainstream media, and just in the whole spirit of you know Pope Francis encouraging and really, really encouraging us to dialogue with each other. We're not listening. And when we're not listening, we're not, we're not hearing each other. I mean, the dialogue's not going to happen. It literally is absurd. And I just found that so striking because we see a lot of absurdity around us. And quite frankly, there's two things that's, that come to mind is, and this is fundamental, isn't it, Joe? If a fundamental to any conversation is one person speaking, the other listen, and then vice versa. Yes. And so mm-hmm. back to the fundamentals you know, you tie this, the lived experience is a person isn't listening, then that dialogue is not going to go anywhere. It's not going to advance. You're not going to build it on anything that's going to be foundational, you know? And so it translates that into the spiritual life, you know, holy smokes. If you can come to the Lord and you're not listening, as you ask these, these questions, these requests, uh, you intercede, uh, one, you certainly intercede on behalf of others, but then bringing to the Lord directly, the prayers of your own heart, whatever you're asking for. Um, I know uh, we talked about the saints earlier. Several of our listeners, they offer different, they live in different devotionals, offer different novenas, prayer requests, Mm -hmm. asking for the specific intercession of these saints uh, as we should and encourage. It's so good. Uh, But then how often do we listen? Mm -hmm. Uh, Listen with our hearts, Mm -hmm. listen with our eyes that the Holy Spirit might answer us not so much audibly, but in revealing to us that he is very much paying attention, you know? So fundamentals is where I want to go in our segment right now. I say where I want to go, where we have been going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and as you bring up the, 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 the absurdity, if you will, that word Mark uh, is intended to be contrasted against obedience, right? Because obedience right. comes from the Latin obadire to listen, uh, absurd in its Latin essentially is to not listen. Uh, more, more exactly, it's it's uh, to be in tuned with, uh, and the other is to be out of tune. Uh, and so, yeah, listening is at the heart of of this life of prayer that we've been talking about. Consequent, uh, consequently, intercessory prayer because it's that listen response dynamic. 
And Mark, what what are we talking about here? But the virtue, in the end, the virtue of silence. You, you hit it, but I, I think we need to dwell upon this even more. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Silence it has two modes when you get inside the word. As a noun, <laughs> silence is you know mutinous, the absence of noise. As a verb. As a verb, if you actually go to the diction, you'll see it, it's a verb. It is becoming still. So all good listening starts with the absence of noise, that which is a noun, and matures into the becoming still, that which is a verb. Huh? So it is in the action mark uh, that we take of becoming still that we begin to understand silence as a virtue, right? Silence as a virtue. So silence is virtuous when, Mark, you or I could speak, but we remain still, drawing from that strength of, of that interior resolve, which has come to know that by speaking, um, I'm acting without charity because the, the person who speaks across from me has something to tell me. Well, translate that to prayer, Mark. God has something to say to us. You know, God has something to say. Samuel did not say, Lord, listen, your servant is speaking. He said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Um, you know, and, and it's it's interesting, Mark, because in recent years, uh, listening has taken on a new challenge. Why? Well, Facebook, texting, Twitter. <laughs> so we haven't trained ourselves on this virtue of listening, more specifically, the virtue of silence. And this is why talking about it now is, um, is imperative because, uh, we have lost our sense of what this looks like and it's something that we need to rekindle. So just <laughs> drawing back from the busyness of the world, uh, drawing back from that busyness will allow us to begin to, to enter into that better listening, which is, uh, virtuous, virtuous to, to the degree that we become more still so as to hear God. Uh, when God is speaking to you, Mark, you don't turn up the volume setting, you turn it all the way down. And mm-hmm. and this is the, the better space of, of prayer and that, uh, that interaction that God desires. God is pursuing us, right? God is pursuing us. We need to be pursuing him. He asked Adam and Eve, where are you? We need to echo the Magi. Where is he? Uh, and and in, in that, what we do is enter into that mode of prayer with God, but a prayer that becomes a living for God, huh? Amen to that, Joe. Uh, when you said we don't need to turn it up, but we need to turn it down. So, as, you know, when God speaks, we can hear him. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded, I think it was tip six, praying with specifics. You know, that intentionality. You, you mentioned earlier praying personally. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, engaging that personal prayer. Um, part of that is just very, the very practical of creating that place and space that you can pray, that you can encounter the Lord. And so mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. as you're speaking to that, just a very practical step of, uh, when we do pray, um, to be rhythmic in our prayer, what, what's the prayer space that you're using? Is it your bedroom? Is it going to be your living room? Is it going to be the kitchen? The kitchen's probably not the best space. Uh, in our house, the kitchen's one of the busiest places throughout the day. There's lots of noise, mm-hmm. lots of activity, people coming in and out. Um, whereas the bedroom uh, is a better place to pray. It's more, you know, you can be removed and things like that. 
So um, just one aspect, just very, very practical as you're referring to silence uh, and listening. Uh, so good. And of course, I love to play on the, the letters because the same letters in the word silent are the same letters in the word listen. You know, yeah, I do yeah, not think that's yeah. an accident in, in God's <laughs> providence of all things, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, with Joe, and again, how important are fundamentals? And, and when I, I pose that as a question, but it's more of an expression too, uh, it's so important you know, uh, recently I just, uh, I got to hear and, uh, speak with the gentleman, uh, our listeners might recognize the name, Matt Burke, uh, Matt Burke. He was an all pro in the NFL played for the Vikings for a number of years. I think 11 years out of his 15 year career ended his career with, well, I'm not positive. He ended with the Ravens, but that's where he won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. Uh, Matt Burke, a very devoted Catholic, was pretty devoted mm. in his faith during his NFL years. Um, he's got a profound witness story, but one of the things that he shares specific to his time in the NFL is through all kinds of experiences um, coming out of uh, college football. I think he was at Harvard. Harvard is where he played college football, so you don't often hear Harvard tied to the no, NFL. No, but, you, you don't. Know. No. Uh, but Burke was the center with uh, the Vikings and also with the Ravens. And one of the things he talks about in regards to fundamentals, that was key. Like if he didn't do this, he has no NFL career. And it was a very simple step is before practice started, he would come out five to 10 minutes before practice started with the quarterbacks and would just work on snaps. I mean, his career was built on snapping a football through his legs to get into the hands of the quarterback. That, that was mm-hmm, his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, he acknowledges, I mean, all kinds of things. There's, there's a, a very endearing humility when, it, when you hear him speak about it. Um, but fundamentals, you know, you're at the highest level of football and you're at the highest level of enthusiasm, excitement, you know, in the Super Bowl. And all he's focused on is the same routine that he's worked on for 15 years. You know, coming out five minutes early before practice and just snapping a football. You know, and I, I think of that because we're coming, you know, often, I, you know, I talk to my kids and I, hey, what's your favorite sport? And it kind of depends what season they're in. You know, I don't know if you can relate yeah. that with your kids, Joe. Like, oh, yeah. I know your kids oh, yeah. enjoy the sports. So what's your favorite sport? You know, if I asked Dominic that last spring, it was track. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, he experienced in his little third grade world a little success. God bless him. It was awesome. And so then <laughs> you go into the fall, you know, uh, if you can say success for third grade track, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> uh, so fourth grade football, he's excited because he's had a chance to practice. You know, if we were, a few of our boys are, uh, are playing football right now. A couple of our boys are playing, uh, playing for Shanley, you know, and what, what is striking. And part of I go back to Burke's testimony. Um, but I'm throw a little curveball here, sticking with the whole just got sports analogy. It's coming out of the works right now. <laughs> anyway, uh, Matt Burke talks about, um, so from his role as the center, but he would also refer to the importance of the quarterback as the general of the team, mm. you know, and mm. if the general of the team fundamentals and in football, it's well known. The general of the team is the quarterback, right? And so you got, uh, Two of our boys uh, playing at Shanley High School. So the quarterback, give him a little shout out, Michael Rosberg. Okay. He is the general of the team. And 
if the general of the team is applying these fundamentals, it's going to, it's more likely to play out through the, through the rest of the team. Yeah. Um, this has been on my heart, no, not the football so, so much, but what's been on my heart is in praying for our bishops and priests at a time that's challenging, I think we need to be praying that they have a prayer life. So I think we need to be praying for them that they can really live in and embody the fundamentals that they yeah. can. Because you said, Joe, like you said, it is not silent in our atmosphere. You know, it's yeah. raucous, it's chaotic, it's loud. Yeah. So I think one of the things we need to take a break here, uh, but just talking about uh, the importance for those, uh, for our leaders, we need to be praying that they can live in the fundamentals. Mm. Stay with us when we come back. We do have a saint for you. You've made the right choice to listen to Awaken. Stay with us. There's much more to come after this short break. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. Now, back to more Awaken, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio's Awaken. Uh, we're excited to be with you. You're with Mark Holcraft and my brother, Dr. Joe Holcraft. We're talking fundamentals of prayer. And Joe, I know on the break, you just wanted to come back to that and circle around to fundamentals. Yeah, I did, Mark, because uh, the point you made there um, and your commentary to it was very important, um, to the least of which was because uh, why does St. Paul use the sporting analogy, right? We We use analogies because... It can help us better understand something when the analogy is is something so common and uh, something lived, then it becomes more real. Uh, the sporting world was very real for St. Paul's audience, so he would use it again and again. And when you talk about the spiritual life in light of, you know, the sporting analogy, um, it's the glove ball fit because ultimately what you're doing is uh, you're speaking to a kind of fitness. One is physical, the other is spiritual, right? Yeah. Uh, one focuses on the externals, the other focuses on the interior life. And so this is why it was so important to St. Paul to, to speak to, um, to speak to the analogy, um, specifically with respect to the world of sports, because we could all identify with it. And, uh, needless to say, Mark, to the point of, of fundamentals itself, um, yeah. If you don't have what is fundamentals, then you don't have principle, right? The word principle means origin or beginning. That's what a fundamental is. So uh, a life of prayer without fundamentals is, is, is a life without principle, spiritual principles. So um, it's right, again, that you, uh, you reemphasize that. And as you ask me the rhetorical question, how important is it? Well, uh, not to overstate it, but... Uh, imperative, because yeah. without it, then um, you really don't have intercessory prayer. And that just brings us back to our first point this morning. And quite frankly, then 
offers us, Mark, I think a segue to the saint we want to talk about, right? Oh, it absolutely does. You know, you know, our, uh, <laughs> I love the whole, the whole visual of saint of the day. Um, and, and certainly our saint of the day today is Therese of Lisieux. And uh, I can, I can almost hear listeners thinking of finally, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, Therese of Lisieux, yeah. uh, probably one of the most popularized saints when it comes to calling upon intercession, looking for a sign and the, the great, uh, story of the rose. And, you know, um, this is Therese of Lisieux. I will spend my heaven in doing good on earth. And, you know, part of that spending heaven doing good on earth. And we pray the novena is she gives us with the rose, you know, mm. um, when, when asking for a sign, but you know, gosh, Joe, uh, even before, before we go to Therese of Lisieux, one of the things you said regarding principle, you know, uh, a spiritual life, a prayer life without principle, uh, it is going to be rather empty in the spiritual life. It's so interesting. And it, it, maybe this is a, a tangent that leads to another episode, you know, but uh, fundamental to the spiritual life in the, in the Catholic faith has been, you know, we, we have riches in history of a disciplined spiritual life with the saints you know, in particular, the spiritual masters teaching us how to pray, to discern. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, and so oh, I, yeah. I think of the riches of the church history, whereas that spiritual life without the principle, without the fundamental, without the beginning, you know, we have 2,000 years of richness to foster a deep spiritual life. Uh, and yet, if we go without that, because we hear a lot these days, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not Christian. I'm spiritual, but I'm not Catholic. Um, I'm spiritual, well, gosh, what but I'm not mean? religious. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. spiritual, but not religious. Like, yeah. well, yeah. you you could be showing your cards in that you might be spiritual. We're all spiritual beings. I mean, for sure. Yeah. But you might be revealing your cards that you, you, you're without the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And that's a dangerous it, thing. Yeah. And the thing there is, Mark, when you say I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious, what's that? what is that suggesting? But ultimately, um, I am a person who is bound to what I think versus what has been revealed and what I can come to know because religious speaks to uh, religion, uh, specific religions. And ultimately as Catholics, we believe that um, it's the fullness tied to divine revelation and a divine knowing. And so there's a tendency to say, well, I'm spiritual, but not religious because I don't want to be bound by someone's rules and laws, which in of itself is, uh, it can be upside down thinking. Um, and so, yeah, you'll, you'll hear that from time to time for sure. And I, I'm, I'm really avoiding going, trying to avoid yeah. <laughs> down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Let's, you know, St. Therese. <laughs> exactly. Well, in Therese of Lisieux, this is, there's fascinating things. And as much as I'm trying to make connections, those connections will come in a minute, you know, but connecting the whole uh, experience of inter- intercessory prayer. One of the things Therese of Lisieux had to say is, Quote, how often have I thought that I may owe all the graces I've received to the prayers of a person who begged them from God for me mm. and whom Amen. I shall know only in heaven. Mm. Unquote. You know, this really, Joe, this is, uh, I love I love when the Holy Spirit does this thing because it really yeah. <laughs> it ties so yeah, much yeah, of what yeah. we've been talking about, you know, so that we land with threads of the suit today. Um, but just in recognizing that, I mean, what, what retrospect and and honestly, what kind of humility? And this is these are the qualities we know of Therese of Lisieux. You know a little bit about Therese's life. And Joe, please fill in blanks if there's things that stand out to you. Sure, you know, sure. Uh, she was the baby of the family. Uh, grew up 
and notoriously spoiled in her family life. This is what she says. I write about herself. Um, her parents, very good to her. Um, she is, I think she's one of, uh, eight siblings. Is that right? I just, I just blanked on that. Uh, I think one of eight siblings, but many of which passed away while she was growing up, maybe one of nine, uh, many passed away. Uh, so four of her siblings died before, before they hit the age of five. And I, and I point this out because as the youngest, um, she would not have come to know them, but only to hear stories of them. So how that, how that plays on the mind and the heart, uh, for a little one, but grew up in a Catholic household. Parents are very faithful, uh, so faithful, in fact, that they would be later beatified uh, in 2008 and then canonized in 2015, um, which, Joe, I think is the first in regards to, you know, Therese of Lisieux was canonized before them and that the parents were canonized later uh, as a married yes. couple. I think that's the first in church history yes. uh, to experience yes. that. Um, yes. But grew up in a faithful Catholic home where her oldest sister uh, uh, also entered the religious life, um, what was said to be uh, heartbreaking for Therese because her oldest sister was like a second mother to her um, and helping, really helping to raise her. Uh, so we, we read of these pieces of Therese's life that um, I find fascinating in and of itself. It speaks to itself. Uh, but just that she, um, it, it's, it really speaks to the experience of the day, uh, for so many of us, but for them, you know, at the beginning of our show today, Joe, I talked about, they give witness to the time they lived and how holiness can look, yes. you know, she yeah. lived in the late 1800s. Um, and so late 1800s, uh, infant mortality was not unusual, you know, mm. to disease and things like that. So, uh, mm-hmm. we get a sense of what, what that can look like. Uh, as she grew up, um, faithful, uh, she was known for being very, uh, vivacious, lots of energy. Uh, there's lots of little stories about her. One of those stories, um, in one of the sisters asked, choose what you wish and giving her the options. And her response was, I choose all. And, but it was something that stood yeah. out to the sisters. You know, I choose all of it. She wanted all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. But I think of, I think of kids. It's like, yes, yeah, yes. You yeah, know, I, I'm reminded of Maximilian yeah. Colby's, you know, Mary appears to him and says, you know, yeah. which crown will you take? I choose both. You know, I want it yeah. all, you know. Yeah, I was, uh, we were at, uh, so before uh, we went on air, Mark, we were talking about mom visited you and and she uh, came, she was um, with us this past week. And so we went over to, we went over to the in-laws and there was a bunch of desserts out. And um, our mom, <laughs> grandma asked Sienna, so what do you want me to get you? And her eyes just like, there was like all these desserts. And she just said, I want all of it. <laughs> and, and, and that's what it is. I mean, she's seven years old. But that's, that's the spirit of, of St. Therese. Certainly that's um, what uh, spilled over into uh, her, her spiritual life, her, her religious life. And just maybe, Mark, I'll, uh, just I'll take the baton there. I, I think there's two, uh, high, uh, two pieces in her life that we ought to highlight. The first of which she called the grace of Christmas. When she was 14 years old, she had this encounter with our Lord and she called it the grace of Christmas because it was, well, Christmas time. 
But it was that grace that led her to a deeper conversion. And ultimately, Mark, the grace that led her to discern the Carmelite way and ultimately that which led her to Rome requesting to be um, a very young sister. And so that is what she did. And then if you're to fast forward in her life, there's what's called, uh, what she called in her diary, uh, the grace of Easter. Now, the grace of Easter was at the end of her life and it was... Um, a very difficult grace, as she talked about it, because it was uh, the grace that led her to a deeper suffering. Yet what was difficult was a challenge, right? As we were talking about it earlier, became ultimately this profound, profound grace for her as she drew in deeper, deeper union with God. So as she, uh, as she would speak to it, uh, there were two graces, you know, as she was growing up, the grace of Christmas and the grace of Easter. The grace of Christmas was this particular grace of conversion and the grace of Easter was this particular grace to better understand the meaning and value of, of redemptive suffering. And that certainly, Mark, I think is an earmark of St. Therese's life and why we even talk about her. You know, if if I were to ask you, and I know you know this, but many people don't, you know, who are the great missionaries of the Catholic Church? Um, you know, if you were to, I, I, I'm, I'm doing this right now. I'm asking the question right now, Mark, and I'm compelled to, to probably do this in, in real time, real life. If I were to go into a church and, and say there are two, there's a male patron and a female patron of, of missionary life in the Catholic Church, who are those? Um, I think there might be a struggle to identify at least the female. Maybe we can sure. we can figure out that Saint Francis Xavier was. Yeah, he was such a great missionary. He's he's the patron saint for mission. Came to mind, but also yeah. Saint Paul as well. You're right. Sure, sure. Many you can draw from, right? But in the in, in the female rank, I don't know how many would actually think of Saint Therese because she was a Carmelite cloistered nun. Right. Uh, but that's what she is. And uh, why? Because of her z- zeal for souls. You know, when we were talking earlier, before we went on air again, Mark, we were talking about St. Therese, and I, I pulled something up. Um, she says this, and I just, I find this to be so beautiful. Uh, like his apostles, Master, I have finished all night and caught nothing. He made of me a fisher of souls. I experienced a great desire to work for the conversion sinners, a desire I hadn't experienced so intensely before. Uh, months later, St. Therese would go on to say, then one Sunday, looking at a picture of our Lord on the cross, I was struck by the blood flowing from one of the divine hands. I felt a great pain of sorrow in thinking his blood was falling to the ground without anyone hastening to gather it up. I was resolved to remain in spirit at the foot of the cross and to receive the divine dew. I understand I was then to pour it out upon souls. I wanted to give my beloved to drink and I felt myself consumed with a thirst for other, for other souls. As yet, it was not the souls of priests that attracted me, but at the time, those of great sinners to pray for those great sinners, those who do not believe in God. How beautiful is that, Mark? Right? And so out from that, she, she develops, uh, this more profound uh, expressive devotion to interceding on behalf of others. She did this in prayer, but certainly, Mark, uh, she also did this with uh, her whole life, where everything, everything she did and everything she touched, and this is another earmark of St. Therese, was an offering to God. Confidence and love 
are the two words that always surround St. Therese, confidence in love. And so her life became a spiritual offering of confidence and love for other. Um, that if she was suffering, it was for other. That she she discovered she had this profound role in, in redemptive suffering that we've already talked about. And then also to to specifically pray for those names that were given to her um, and to do so with great fervency, with great zeal, with great fire, with great love, that they might get out of the cold, if you will, Mark. Right, and so right, exactly. certainly, you know, as we touch upon the bullet points of her life, it, we would be remiss to not highlight the, the reality of who St. Therese is. You know, and I, I have to tell you, Mark, personally, and I know we're running out of time here, but it, when I was selecting saints for my second book, I, you know, I, I distilled it to about 15 and St. Trez was in there. Um, and I went with St. Teresa of Avila, but certainly St. Trez could have been in there too. She could have parachuted in because of why we are talking about her now. Certainly the quote you had mentioned earlier, earlier, so beautiful, but one we can turn to Mark, one who the Catholic Church turns to, uh, in, in intercession. And one that uh, we would be well served to uh, embrace, St. Therese of Lisieux. Well, and Joe, I, we're coming, there's just so many things that could be said. Um, but kind of coming full circle as well, you know, maybe that wasn't so tangential. And, you know, I talked about, you know, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Um, being rooted in the, rich, the riches of the church's spiritual life. Uh, sure, John Paul II. Sure. Um, at her can uh, not her canonization, but in his papacy, John Paul II named her a doctor of the church. And so this is also a fascinating thing, Joe, uh, a cloister Carmelite nun who really, you know, uh, patrons of missions, but really did not travel very far beyond, uh, especially once she entered the, the, the Carmel, you know, the cloistered life. John Paul II had this to say, Therese of the child Jesus and the Holy Face is the youngest of all the doctors of the church, remembering that she died at 24. But her ardent spiritual journey shows such maturity, and the insights of faith expressed in her writings are so vast and profound that they deserve a place among the great spiritual masters. Hmm. You know, hmm. and what the Holy Spirit does when you give him your yes, and this is our, you know, our last episode, we referred to Mary's yes, you know, but I think sometimes we can disassociate ourselves. Well, that's Mary. She's the queen of saints. She was sinless. You know, how quickly yeah, we yeah, can yeah. excuse ourselves. Sure, sure. And yet we see yeah. this in John Paul II, who is a saint literally in his own right, uh, offering those words, uh, deserve a place among the great spiritual masters, referring to Therese of Lisieux, uh, who, uh, by her own admission, um, fundamentals, Joe, is uh, to, mm. to love greatly uh, in the littlest of ways. You know, Amen. and so... She's, she Amen. is our patroness uh, this day as we speak of intercessory prayer. St. Therese of Lisieux, pray for us. This has been Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Awaken comes to you every second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Want to listen to the show again? You can find the podcast any time of the day or night on our website at realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or on the Real Presence Radio app in the podcast section. Again, that's realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or in the free Real Presence Radio app. 
Be sure to join us again next time for more Awaken with Mark and Dr. Joe Hullcraft.